In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to this, the first Sunday of Lent, where we celebrate the Sunday of Orthodoxy, the return of the icons to the church, and the beauty and the reality of what they bring to us and to our worship. And with that, that's all I'm going to say about that. But now we have made it through the first week of Lent. Now, how's that going for you? Well, I say that because I've asked myself that question many times. And I did purposefully say, use that phrase, made it through, even though that's not really what our goal is. Our goal is not to just make it through, but it seems that way sometimes. That we're just trying to get there, and it's just you know, it, it's hard. It's just really hard. And in Lent, we have this really intense spiritual preparation for Pascha. And of course, as you know, and I'm going to say it again, we've just spent five Sundays preparing for Lent. And if there's one thing the Orthodox Church does, it does repeat itself over and over. And as a good Orthodox deacon, I'm going to repeat what those five Sundays are. Because I know for me, I have to hear them over and over and over again. But we started with the Sunday of desire. And it's where is your desire? Where is your heart? Are we desiring God? Or are we desiring these other things that are here in this world? We need to desire God. And then we go from there to humility in that second Sunday. Are we humble like Christ is humble? Or are we wanting the world to claim? Are we arrogant? And you know, last week, uh, if if you happen to get the uh, thought of the day from the Archdiocese, Metropolitan Joseph was hammering on us about humility, and I wanted to say, say Edna, I get it. If we're humble, we can't be humiliated. But that's what this whole week he spent, it seems, telling us is that we need to be humble, like Christ, and that way we cannot be humiliated. But then we go from humility to return from exile. That was the prodigal son, my favorite of all the passages in the, in the Bible. We've left God, and we need to return to him. And he's waiting for us to do that, watching for us, and will welcome us. And we go from there, of course, to the last judgment. We look at how our li we are living our lives. And by the way, it's not just giving up meat. You know that from what the Metropolitan said. But it's not just that, but it's, it's looking at ourselves, and, and of course, you know, later on uh, in the creed, we're going to say that we believe in the resurrection, and so what's going to happen at that resurrection? What, what are we going to do? Are we going to be able to answer to what the Lord says and, and has have him say, well done, good and faithful servant? You know, that's what our goal is. We want eternal life with him, and then from there we go to forgiveness, which is where we were last Sunday. We ask for and we receive the forgiveness from each other, just as God gives us forgiveness. They build one on another. And as we see these things going from desire to humility to returning from exile to the last judgment, we see that we need that forgiveness in our lives. But as I said, this is something that's really intense for us. It's not easy. It's hard. It is hard. And we have to work at it. And I've talked to other people uh, and they agree with me that there's something about Lent that brings additional hardships to our lives, or at least it seems that way. 
you know, you get to a point where uh, you have an argument at home with your kids or with your husband or wife or get extra work at work or your school, something happens, your car conks out. Um, you know, by Friday afternoon, I got to tell you this, is I was afraid to answer the phone at work because I'd had so many things go wrong that week that I just didn't know if I could handle another one. But it just seems that everything starts to dump on us. It's like clockwork. Oh, you go, oh, of course, Lent started. No wonder that's happening. But how do we go from there to bring our focus back to what we're doing? We're preparing for Pascha in just a few short weeks here. Well, okay, they're long weeks, but we're, we're preparing for that. <laughs> or more specifically, how do we get back to desiring God in our lives and practicing the humility and returning, coming back to God, returning from exile and thinking about the last judgment and practicing forgiveness? Well, I'll give you one word to what we can do to help us get that focus back. It's heroes. We need heroes. And those are the people to whom we can look for, for our own courage and inspiration. Watching uh, the Olympics these past few weeks, and uh, you know, when I was younger, I think I did, uh, I probably looked up to a lot of athletes, and, and I would have called them heroes. Um, I'm not sure about the curlers. Uh, <laughs> But they did win the gold medal, so um, I still have not quite gathered exactly what that sport is, but, uh, <laughs> but we, need, we do need heroes in our lives. And, you know, the great country music theologian Willie Nelson uh, has said that his heroes were always cowboys. And I tell you, Willie had it wrong. He's looking in the wrong place. Because let me list for you a few of our heroes that we've read today in the epistle lesson that Vern read. And by the way, when I say these are our heroes, it's not just us in this room. It's not just the Orthodox Church. It's all of Christendom. Today's epistle lists some really good ones. Starts with Moses. And what Moses did was pretty simple. Uh, when he was growing up, and rather than wanting to uh, continue to live in Pharaoh's court and enjoy all the, uh, the pleasures, of that, he gave it up for the hardships to be with his own people, the Israelites. And it was a really hard life that they led. That was Moses. He did that. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. These were people who went out and won battles facing overwhelming odds. Go to the book of Judges. You can read about them and what they did. David, Samuel, and the prophets. These are people who, with God's help, were instruments in delivering Israel from its enemies. And what were these heroes able to do, and why should we use them as examples in our own lives? Well, it all starts with faith. You know, it's interesting in Hebrews 11, of course, we read <coughs> just a little bit of it, but if you go back and look, it's just, it's full of faith. If you go back to the beginning, and it starts off with what faith is, but then we he, uh, it says, by faith we understand the words of God, were the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, I'm obviously paraphrasing here. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. By faith he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. 
They all, all these people, it started with faith. By faith, Abraham, again, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. And then we get to Moses. So if you haven't figured out yet, it starts with faith. And it is not a mamby-pamby faith that they were called to. They were called to do extraordinary things. Sometimes they ask the question to the Lord, are you sure? Are you really sure that this is for me? Uh, and, you know, some tested the Lord, and he patiently did answer their questions, and he passed their test. But their lives were on the line in this. It wasn't just something that if they failed at it, it was like, oh, well, we're already slaves, so what the heck? But their lives were on the line, and it, either we're going to die in battle, or if, if they lost the battle, that they, they would be killed. And sometimes they did it alone. Sometimes it's just a handful of others that helped them. They did it against overwhelming odds. And this is what we need to look at. When things get tough for us, we need to look at what some of these people did. They conquered kingdoms and enforced justice. This is the faith we need, and this is the examples we need to look for. The Israelites were slaves, and they were forced to do horrible things. Yet these people helped to uh, conquer the kingdoms that were enslaving them and enforce the justice that they needed. And with God's help, these heroes went after their enemies. Sometimes the enemies just fled. They ran away. But sometimes there was a battle, and they were completely destroyed. It can only be done with the help of God. And that's what they, God did do, give to these people. They received promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, and became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. That's what our God can do. That's what our faith is in. It's in that God can do this for us as well. We look at these heroes for strength and examples in our own life, and particularly in our spiritual struggles, we bring our focus back towards Pascha and what this time of Lent is all about. But you know, it wasn't just all fun and games for these guys as well. There were other heroes. This is where the other shoe kind of drops in this thing. We'd like it all to be like Moses and Samson and Jephthah and Barak and Gideon. But some of these heroes were tortured. They refused to accept relief that they, they might rise again to better lives. Back on February 10th, we, uh, the saint of the day was St. Paralampo. We recognized him every Sunday morning in the intercession. Again, it was one of those pesky little saint of the day or thought of the day that the Metropolitan sends out. But this is what it said about St. Paralampo. He was 113 years old when he was arrested. And he's, as they, the emperor had ordered his skin to be flayed off. And this 113-year-old saint said to the soldiers, Thank you, my brethren, for in scraping my old body, you renew my spirit for a new eternal life. So uh, I hope none of us ever have to answer like that, but that is something we can look at. It's a hero, someone we can look to, and someone that we can try to use as an example. And there's countless others. The three children in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, you want to call them Ananias, Mishael, and I'm not looking. I can't do it. Azariah. 
um, tossed into the fire, and they were untouched. Of course, walking around with the angel of the Lord in there, I I wonder what Nebuchadnezzar thought after he had uh, saw them walking around and and said, "Um, let's get them out and talk to them and and worship their God. Because obviously it was doing more than what his gods were able to do. But they were tortured and refused to accept the release that they might rise again to a better life, one that's not of this world. Others suffered mockings and scourgings and whipping on the back and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated, and they did that, they put up with that because the world was not worthy of them. They wandered over deserts and mountains and lived in dens and caves. Well, just as with St. Paralampos, so many others have gone through unimaginable things. But there isn't a lot of glory in what they did. All they got out of it was eternal life. Oh, yeah, and, of course, they desired God, and they were humble, and they came back to him, and, of course, worried about the last judgment, but they got that eternal life. The world wasn't worthy of them. I mean, so often we're dangled these little nice pleasantries of the world here, and it's just not worthy of where we're headed. These people would rather endure the treatment they got in this world than to miss out on the fullness that was promised by God. They're our heroes. They're the ones we need to look to. Well, God forbid any of us ever have to go through anything like that. Not all are called to do that. Not all are, all are called to be the St. Paralampos. Many of us are just called to live our lives in a godly manner. But we use them as examples, and it's why every Saturday night after Vespers, we read the saying of the day as an encouragement and as an example for us to follow. So as we face the rest of Lent and the hardships that we will go through in our struggle as we move toward Pascha, let's remember the examples of those who have gone before us. It starts with faith. God is with us. Have faith in that. If you went to the canon this week at all, we said, again, as good Orthodox, God is with us. I don't know how many times, but God is with us. Have faith that we will be able to endure the hardships that come our way, whatever they may be. And that the struggle we have will lead us to what all who have gone before us have attained, that perfect eternal life. The hardships of this life are worth enduring, just as did Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David and Samuel, and all the prophets. They were looking for a better life, one that was worthy, and one that we too can attain. We attain that through desire for God, humility, returning from exile to God, remembering the last judgment and forgiving. So let us strive to follow the examples of these heroes in our lives as we continue our preparation and journey to Pascha. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.